today I want to share a word with you, but before I jump into it, I want to recap from last week. Shared three words that I believe are associated with our church. Whenever someone says emerge, I want them to think of these three words. Faith, family, future. Faith, family, and future. You can clap, Miss Dottie. I appreciate it. Nobody else wanted to, but you can. The rest of y'all need to get with the program. Get you a mint or something with some sugar in it. We're faith-filled. A faith-filled church. Doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with your faith. It just means that if I struggle, I'm going to make the decision to keep believing, even though I can't figure it out. Amen? And if I see someone struggling with theirs, I'm going to help them to keep believing too. And then we are family. We're family. That's what church is. Church is a spiritual family. It's not just a congregation. That word congregation doesn't do it justice for how we do life. Am I right? Because like congregation doesn't sound like anybody's about to pray with me when I'm about to lose my mind. But family sounds like somebody who will at least listen. Am I right? And they may either pray for me or for the other person, but they're going to pray because somebody needs it. But we're family. And uh, I know you got the perfect family. We know that. And so uh, I don't know how well we'll do in comparison to your perfect family. But uh, some of the things you see in your family, you might see here too. You know what I'm saying? Because we got some people get a little rowdy. We do. We, We got some emotions to it too. But we're a spiritual family that God allowed us to be a part of. And there's just something about family. Am I right? And our church, that's what we are. We are family. But we also raise up future generations. And I I said this a lot last week, but there's still people like, well, what about all the older people? I was like, do you listen in church? (laughs) Future generations is all generations. And it's not just defined by ages, amen? Because if you're 79 and you win somebody who's 62 to the Lord, that's another generation of believers in the house of God. And so throw the age thing out, quit worrying about wrinkles and getting cream, and let's start start thinking about generations that God wants to bless, amen? Because doesn't the Bible say he'll bless generations for a thousand generations, generation after generation after generation, he'll break the curse of generations that were before you. Anyway, I just want to make sure there's some clarity on that because some people thought we were just going to be a young people church, and we will, but we're going to be an old people church too. Because this is what I know. I ain't getting no younger. Amen. But I could still roll with them, so y'all better watch out. All right, let's quit before I get in trouble. Ephesians chapter 4. For those of you who are newer to Emerge, I love the book of Ephesians. It's probably my most favorite book of the Bible. Love it, love it, love it. If you haven't read Ephesians yet, you should go read it today. All of it. You'll finish it in about 45 minutes. It's good. You'll write things down because it's that good. But there's one thing in here I want to show you today. We're going to read 16 verses. We're going to flex on our Bible today a little bit. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be that church that read 16 verses today. And then we'll talk about it. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Ephesians, it says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. This is the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. And he's trying to send them a message that's customized for them. 
And I believe whenever you read the Bible, you got to take it personally. Amen? You can't just read it uh, as corporately. you got to take it personally. And in this letter, he says, look, I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord. i got a little clout. I, I'm not just doing this casually. I'm all in. So far in it that I went to jail for it. You see what I'm saying? Ain't none of us went to jail for it yet, so we can't talk like this, but he can. And he says this, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. When you think of calling, don't just limit it to what you think you can do. But this is a calling to be who God wants you to be. See, the church isn't just a group of people that meet together. It's a group of people that have been called by God out of the world We've been called out of the darkness into the light. And so he's speaking into that. He said, look, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, that you were once in darkness, but now you're in light. And I want you to live like you got your lights on. And I'll put a plug right here because this week if that storm comes and you lose power, you act different when your lights go out. You do. You do. And when your power comes back on, you act different all over again. You're nice to people. Power goes out, you mean to people. So the Lord called us out of the darkness into the light. All right? And he says, live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And then he begins to to paint pictures of what this looks like. He says, always be humble and gentle. Notice it said always. The Lord's still working on us, I know. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Those two verses right there will just challenge you. Am I right? Like, that's hard to do. Verse 4, For there is one body and one Spirit, and just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future... There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, living through all. That's thorough, by the way. God's not limited. He's not one-dimensional. He's all-dimensional. You say, how many dimensions? I don't know. Just all of them. Okay? All of them. Verse 7, however, he has given each of us a spiritual gift through the generosity of Christ. Notice it didn't say through the ability of the people, but it says through the generosity of Christ. This is, that is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. I want you to see that it doesn't, notice it doesn't say that he will fill the entire universe with his peace. Because if he just filled it with peace, that's only one part. It says all of himself. He filled the entire universe with all of himself. And I've got, I, I've got a suspicion that a lot of people are only getting a part of Jesus instead of getting all of him. And the reason why is because we only give him a part of us. Come on. All right, let's get back to the scripture. That's not the sermon, but that's in the that's, that's there. Okay. Verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, 
the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. So be nice to me, okay? Now watch this in verse 12, because this is where clarity begins to come, all right? And this is also where the confusion is in the church. Verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Notice what it says there. This is scripture. I didn't make this up. You go check it. Ephesians 4. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. If you need King James, it doesn't change it that much. It just uses old language. Okay, that's it. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, watch this word, mature in the Lord. That means we're growing up. Not just growing, but growing up. There's a lot of people that grow in the Lord. They get spiritually fat. Okay? Just listen to me, y'all. We get spiritually fat, but when it comes to going, we can't run well. I know that's a strong example, but follow with me. The Lord wants us to grow up, to grow up. There is a maturity. There is a wisdom. There is an understanding. Come on now. That he wants us to have. And so what does he do? He grows us up so that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children living by feelings. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, and he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I don't know how much more thorough you can get it than that. And Paul just said, let's call a time out and regroup here. And we were able to just get a glimpse into what he's trying to share with the church because there is so much, listen to me, there are so many possibilities that sit in this room right now. There are so many possibilities that are in your life right now of what God can do in you and what God can do with you. And if we got to the place that we truly trusted God and really believed that, we would see a movement take place in our own personal world and even throughout the world like we have never seen before. And that's why it's so important that we get back to what is the church, who is the church, and why is the church. It's so important so that you and I aren't just people visiting a building on a Sunday and worshiping and hearing the word and going on about our business, but we're living the fullness of the life that Christ has intended for us. Come on, how many of you want the fullness of life and not just try to make it kind of like fullness of life? Let's pray. Jesus, today, I'm going to talk, but you got to speak. I'm going to share what you put on my heart. I believe it's, it's for us. At this time. And Father, there's a lot of things I want to say, but there's probably some things I'm not going to say that you're going to have to make up for. And 
And I just ask for your help to communicate this today. I pray that on the inside of us, that there is a faith that arises. There's something that is awakened in us that causes us to believe that there's more. There's more that you have for us. So today, Holy Spirit, make this word come alive. Let it catch us today. Let it change us today in your name. Amen. Amen. So it's football season. Yep, it is football season. And high school football is off to a start. And college football was on yesterday. It was a good day. Next weekend, it's going to be a good one. Am I right? It's going to be good. I can't wait. Lots of expectation and excitement for my team. Lots. And next Sunday will be interesting. I know. Because next Sunday is game day for me and game day for many of you. Come on now. And so I plan to wear my purple and gold next Sunday. I do. And I hope you wear your garnet and gold. Please do. You wear shorts too if it's hot. Just make sure they're the right length because some of y'all, them thighs are too white. Okay. can't wait for it, man. I'm excited. Football season. Uh, I don't know what it is all my life. Since I was a little kid, my family was always into football, and uh, I've been going to games since I was little, and uh, I played in the band. We covered that last week. Yep. And we love the band. All right, there we go. All right, and, and I got to play in band in high school. I was a drummer. I got to play in the band at LSU, and I was a drummer, and it was a lot of fun. We didn't win a lot when I was there, but that's all right, because winning now. Um, and I just always around it, man, just love football season, and it does so much in our communities. It really does. I, I don't know if you recognize it, but there is something different about this city when football starts. There is, man. It's just like there's a buzz on Friday. You're going into Saturday. Everybody just like they they feeling it, man, because it's football season. And I know there's a couple other teams that try to dangle around here and everything, but we're not worried about them. We'll see what happens Thursday night for a couple of you guys. Yeah, Just take a jab at the Gators, am I right? I love it. And we've got Benjamin over here thinking the dogs are going to three-peat. And I told him uh, the only three-peat you getting is a three-piece from Popeye's. And so, anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, hey, if you like trash talking about football, this is your church right here, man. If you don't like it, I, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, oh, man. And I just love this season. We were out at the ball game Friday night, and it was hot. It was hot, and we were sweating, and we saw a bunch of kids from Surge at the game, and they all coming around, and it was almost like, I was like, stand back a little bit, man, because it's hot, and you're hot, and it's like, it's hot everywhere, and, and Cameron's sitting on the front row. She was flying high Friday night. They were throwing her in the air. Woo! Throwing her way up there, man. It was fun, and, um, and so I love this season. You know what I'm saying? This is an awesome season. To be in, and just like we're starting this new season with uh, with football, I feel like I feel like we we're entering a new season as a church. I do, man. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, baptizing all those people, just like I don't know, gets you fired up. It's like let's do that some more. 
Let's get some more people. Let's, let's get a bunch more people. Like baptizing 14 people on a Sunday is pretty significant, y'all. Like, I don't know if you realize that. That's a lot of people, and I like it so much, I want to do it some more and get a bunch more people on a Sunday, you know? Like, and we'll cook for you. I mean, we'll, don't worry, we'll take care of you. But it's like it, it just got you so full of hope and expectation for what God can do. And it was exciting to introduce new staff to the church and uh, to be able to relaunch some things, to relaunch e-groups. Super excited about that. It's starting up in September and new format, by the way. We're not doing what we've always done. We've got a new format. We won't have as many groups because we've been training leaders, but, but we got a new format where we're all going to be on the same page. And so looking forward to jumping into to our e-groups and then next steps, our relaunch with Sunday lunch, which this thing is going to be awesome, man, because it's going to be a big table with fried chicken. Let's go. Some of y'all are like, well, can I come back and be new? Well, you already ate, and so we got to make room for the new people. I can't wait for that. Just to, to sit down and connect with people and introduce them to our church and invite them to come be a part of the Emerge family, let's go, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, come eat at the table with us. And then Fight Club is coming up, and then Sisterhood, and all those things. It's like a relaunch. It's like, here we go. This is our season. This is the year. And, and I'm super excited about it, and I'm looking forward to seeing all that God's going to do. And it almost feels like in Ephesians chapter 4, it's almost like they've been operating for a little while. Yeah. And then Paul said, let me just drop a, a letter on them. I'm in prison. I can't be there because I've been serving the Lord and spreading the gospel, and people didn't like it, so they arrested me and threw me in jail. But he's like, I could still do this because you can't put God in a box. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and sometimes we think we get put in the box. God can still use you even though you feel like you're stuck. Amen? Because Paul felt like he was stuck, but he pens this letter, and it's almost like he's trying to, to help them to see, hey, this is what you were meant for. This is where this thing is going. This is who you can be. Because in the life that we live, things can become so monotonous. You know what I'm saying? It can feel like it's the same thing over and over and over. We're in our routine. You know what I'm saying? And it just feels like I did that already. Here we go again. Here we go again. And so it loses its newness. It loses its effect. It loses its, its freshness. But what God is doing is always new. Amen? And, but sometimes it doesn't feel like that to us because of our own personal routines. Because of all the things that we got going on and because of our busyness. And so Paul just slides this letter to him. And first of all, he reminds them, hey man, that this whole church thing, this is a calling. Like this isn't just something that you do because of where you live. This is a calling. That you've been called out of the world to follow Jesus. And you're called to salvation, to follow Jesus. You're called to serve. You're called to all these different things. And you're not who you used to be, but this is who you are now. And it's like he's trying to remind them to bring them to this place. And then he, he just begins to go down this road and lay it all out. It draws attention to unity, that, that we're called to be united in spirit. And when we talk about unity, you can't think that we all got to be alike. It just means that we got to have the same spirit, the Holy Spirit. In, uh, am I right? Not just any spirit, because there's some weird spirits flying around. The Holy Spirit, amen? That's the spirit. And he's trying to remind them we're united 
by the Holy Spirit, he reminds us that we're given spiritual gifts. A few weeks ago, we were talking about graces that God gives us. God gives us a grace to do some things, and he's just letting you know, hey, God has given you some spiritual abilities that are pretty important, and you can't neglect it because you got a lot going on. Seriously. Okay, And so he's just taking them down this road. He points out that there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. He says they're a gift to the church. And then he clarifies the responsibility that their office, their responsibility is to equip the church, God's people, to do his work and build the church. The building of the church is the, the responsibility that each of us has in our hands. And so in your mind, when you say, man, I want our church to be this and I want our church to be that, it's a direct call from God to say, well, let's get to work. Let's get to work. It's a personal thing that God has given to each of us, not just a corporate thing that we attend to and consume. Amen? But it's a, it's a family that we're a part of where we work together. We serve together. We build together because this isn't just like my church. This is our church. Amen. You do know long after I'm gone, this church keeps going. I don't want to go nowhere. But long after me, it keeps going. And with that in mind, we got to realize that we all have a part in this. Okay. And then he talks about growing in faith to become mature and reaching the full standard of Christ. He caps it off by reminding us that Jesus is the head of the church. He makes it all fit and work together. And it's so important that we remember Jesus is in charge. Amen? I'm the pastor. I'm the subcontractor working for him. That's it. Y'all do know that. Newsflash. If you use profanity in front of me, I don't have the power to send you to hell. Seriously, I don't. I can't do that. But don't use profanity. There you go. We slid that into this sermon today. All right. He instructs us that we all have a part and that your part affects mine and my part affects yours. That's so important. And ultimately, all of our parts determine growth. Not just the growth of this body together, but your growth as well. It all works together. And this, I thought, was a thorough breakdown of the makeup of the church. Now, you would think because we have this reference that we would just stick with it. Am I right? Because it's right there. And when you read it, it's like, oh, there it is. That's how you do that. But sometimes when we get that piece of furniture that you got to put together, we look at a picture and we say, oh, I could put that together. And we don't pull out the instructions. I would say how many guys are like that, but now I would say how many ladies are like that too because I know a few ladies that put together some of this stuff and they're not looking at the instructions either. It's a human nature common kind of thing where we see something and we think, I can do that. And I really believe that that is something that has occurred even with church where we see different things and we interpret it and define it based off of different things that we have seen, heard, and experienced personally. And what do we do? We begin to paint the picture of what we think it needs to look like, but then when we put it all together, we're disappointed because it don't look like the right picture. But we try to act like 
all those extra little pieces over there. Oh, I didn't really need that. But then you put the cup on the little table you put together and the whole thing collapses. And then you realize, oh, that's probably why I needed that, that part right there. That, that part was more important than what I thought. And so now I got to what? Start over and rebuild the whole thing. And so what happens to us is we have this tendency to allow tradition to define what church is to us. Because if it's always been that way, then surely that's how it is. And can I say this? Church becomes what we make it become instead of church being what God wants it to be. And that's a challenge because to be a part of the body of Christ, it takes surrender. It takes selflessness. And that's hard for us because we're hardwired to be selfish. We are. And so we have cultural traditions when it comes to church as well as cultural expectations when it comes to church. And especially in this part of the country where we live, where there is a long legacy of church and this part of the country known as the Bible Belt, there's all of these different ideas. And even though it may be proper, it doesn't mean that it's always right. Can I say it that way? Because there is a lot of properness that, is, that, that we attempt to define as righteousness, but it's not really righteousness, it's more pride. It's more image than it is what God intended for it to be, okay? And so there's also family traditions of what church should be. And depending on what family you grew up in and how your family worshiped through the years, in the most influential years of your life, we draw conclusions of what church should be and what it shouldn't be. We also have religious traditions, things that we experience that mean a lot to us, but sometimes those are man-made traditions that we carry, but because they were in church, we believe that they actually came from God, and that's not always the truth. And can I just say that there's nothing inherently wrong with tradition until tradition starts to get in the way of God, of the way God really intended for it to be. Okay, does that, does that help you a little bit? Because there are areas in our lives where tradition is good. We have some family traditions that are really, really good. But just because it's tradition doesn't mean that's how it's always going to be. Okay? Like this will be the first year I have a kid that's not living in my house for Christmas. Go ahead and cry. Okay. I know. It's been a rough month. And so the tradition may change a little. Sorry, babe. I didn't mean to say that. I know. She's like, just go ahead and take me out. Uh, <laughs> The traditions could be challenged a little bit. And there are some things in our lives traditionally that have already been challenged. There's some personal traditions. And let me redefine that, the way I like it to be done. That's a personal tradition, by the way. I just made it sound pretty by saying personal tradition. But really, it's the way that I like it to be done. And for those of us even that have a strong church background, we would like to think that because we have a strong church background, that perhaps our tradition isn't as strong as we may think it is. But man, you know, not everybody thinks they have a problem until they realize they got a problem. But other people around them see that dude's got a problem. You know what I'm saying? And so we have so many different pieces and parts that play a a role in defining what is tradition to us or how we like things to be done. But I want to say this, that church cannot be defined by a tradition. It cannot be defined by a tradition, but it has to be defined by its mission. 
And that's different for us because we're used to attending church more than we are being the church. See, there's a difference there. And a lot of people are going to leave here today feeling good because they went to church. Maybe you didn't go to church for a long time, but you came today and it's like, man, I'm really glad that I went. But it's not just about attending the church. It's about being the church. It's who God has called us out of the world to become, that we are the body of Christ. It's not just what we do, but it's who we are. It invades every single aspect of our lives. It uh, it identifies us. And what we see is in this world that we have an identity crisis where people are looking in all the different avenues to try to find something to do that gives them success, and the more success they get from it, the more they identify themselves with it, but at some point, it cannot give you everything that you wanted it to give you. Only Jesus can do that, and most of the time, that's where people realize, man, we probably need to get back in church. We probably need to get back Well, man, things are out of order in our lives. We need to get back in church. And really what you're saying is this. We need to get back to who we're supposed to be is what you're saying because we're losing our identity to all of these things that we're doing. We're forsaking our souls for the opportunity of entertainment. Come on. For the opportunity to do some things because, man, if we ain't busy, I don't know how we do life at home because I'm probably going to kill her or she's going to kill me or we're going to kill the kids. And I know it's graphic, but you get pushed a little bit. Am I right? Amen. Amen. And so the mission of the church, though, is not ministries and programs, but it's a commission from Jesus. And this is important also because so many times in the world that we live in, it's like we need this at our church and we need that at our church. And there are some things that are important to help people take steps. But the mission of the church isn't the programs. It's the commission given to us by Jesus. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says, therefore, go. Say go. Go. Say go like you're cheering for your team. Go. Oh, that's better. All right. Man. I saw Seminole Chop showing up. I mean, we're in church, people. Bring it back. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. This is the mission of the church. Let me say it this way. This is our mission. It's for us. Tell your neighbor it's for you, too. Tell them. Look at them. Some of y'all are like, I hate when you do that part, Pastor Way. I don't want to talk to no one at church. I'm expanding you, okay? This is why when we talk about what our mission is as a church, we say it like this. We lead people to follow Jesus so they can live out God's plans for their lives. That's how we say it. This is what we are about. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is what we're trying to do in everything that we do. And if we forget about that in the things that we do, then we're no longer having church. We have a religious country club. And God didn't call us to have a religious country club. He called us to be on a mission. Amen? To be on a mission. And the mission that we're on is to lead people to follow Jesus so they can live out God's plan for their lives because we firmly believe God's got a plan for people's lives. Do you believe that today? God's got a plan for your life, and it starts with following Jesus. 
It starts with following Jesus, and we can't leave Jesus out of it. We can talk church all day, but you can't have church without Jesus. Amen? Jesus is the head of the church. It's all about Jesus. It keeps coming back to Jesus. And we're going to keep talking about Jesus. We're going to keep preaching Jesus. We're going to keep leading people to Jesus. Amen? Because it's all about Jesus. We need Jesus. How many of y'all know somebody that needs Jesus? How many of y'all are sitting next to him? How many of y'all believe the preacher needs Jesus? Don't say amen, but I do. Okay. All right. So the mission, it helps us to see the why behind the what we do for each and every one of us. I remember when I was in Bible college, there was a sign above the chapel stage, and this is what it says. I mean, it's, it's literally ingrained in my memory. It says, it said this at the top, that we may win for the lamb the reward of his suffering. And every day going into that chapel, every day we would go in there for that class, for that chapel, for that prayer meeting. There it was at the top that we may win for the lamb the reward of his suffering. That we may win for the lamb the reward of his suffering. And it just kind of gets in your soul because you realize, yeah, I want to win some people, but thank God somebody won me. Thank God that there was somebody who was in a church that realized it wasn't just about sitting, but it was also about sharing what God had done in their lives with somebody else through all the different avenues throughout the church. And this is the story of so many people, because when we say the church reached somebody for Jesus, really what we're saying is there was a person in that gathering of believers that took the step of faith to share what God has done in their life with another person that needed God to do something in their life. That's really what we're saying. But sometimes we make it so corporate that we miss the personality, the personal side of this thing that you and I have a part in this, that there are souls yet to be one that are counting on you. There are souls yet to be one that are counting on you. People that need Jesus, not just encouragement, but need Jesus, and they need someone to share the good news, just like you needed someone to finally tell you about Jesus, and not just say, oh, I'm going to pray for you, but finally tell you Jesus is what and who you are looking for, and that's where we come in. That's where we come in, and you may say, well, Pastor Wade, isn't that what you do? That's what we do. That's what we do. And today I want to take a minute to share three things that I pray. This is my hope for people. Whenever they encounter Emerge Church, when they come to this place, whenever they run into you, come on now. This is my hope for each person from our church. This is our, this is our hope. Number one, they encounter God. That, that, that they, when they step foot in this room, that this isn't just a religious meeting, but they know, man, I don't know what all these people are doing, but surely the Lord was in that place today. And, uh, and I can't undo what I experienced and what I encountered in there today. I believe if people will have God encounters, it will bring them 
closer and closer to Jesus. And as a church, we will always provide people the opportunity to have God encounters. I want people to hear about God, but I want people to also encounter the living God. So when we have service on a Sunday, that's the hope, encountering God. And if they encounter him, their life will never be the same. Their life will never be the same if they truly encounter God. There were some moments in my life, y'all, where I've been in a church service, and God done something in me, and I can't even still put together all the pieces. But I can tell you, even to this day, I can look back on so many of those moments and know if it wasn't for those encounters, I wouldn't have been able to put it all together. I wouldn't have been able to. I'm an overthinker. I think through things so much. And had it not been for an encounter from the Lord, I wouldn't have had the confidence that I needed to take the steps of faith. And you can coach me and talk to me all day long. It wouldn't have helped because I'm hard-headed. But I'm telling you, an encounter with God can get through a hard head. It can get through a hard heart. It can get to your soul. Come on, man. And that's what we're counting on. God encounters. The second thing is this. Here's our hope for you, that you experience life change. We're praying that God will change your life. And you might have passed away. My life's pretty good. I want God to change all that. How's your temper? Oh, well, let's not talk about that. No, let's talk about that. Because your good life can get wrecked by your bad temper. Amen? Seriously. And so what if? You encounter God and God starts changing your temper. And people are like, man, you're nicer than what you used to be. I like you. It may open the door for you to share Jesus with somebody that your temper wouldn't have allowed you to share it with. Come on now. So when we say change your life, I'm not talking about like do all this crazy stuff. I'm talking about some character work. Amen work on our mouth, to work on our character, work on how we're thinking, and some of these habits that we're caught up in. I mean, wouldn't it be incredible if the person who was stuck in an addiction, God set them completely free from that? Wouldn't that be awesome? Come on, we believe God can do that. That's the life change that I'm talking about. The person who's struggling with depression, set free from it. I'm down for it. Am I right? Like, let's work on that. Encounter God experience life change and this honestly is why i'm so excited about e-groups kicking off again because you want to see life change life change don't happen all by yourself life change happens with people it happens with people man because god is faithful to put some good people in your life to help you to overcome some things that you can't overcome by yourself amen that's why we do e-groups Because we want our lives to change, man. Iron sharpens iron. It makes us better. Helps us to grow. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to grow you in your faith. But watch this. He wants to grow you up. To mature you. Grow into who he wants you to be. Instead of running around. You ever notice that about little kids? They reach that age where they just run around. Just run around. It's like, keep still. They just run around. Well, as believers, guess what? We run around too. Just running around, running from this, running to that. Just running, running, running. Maturity causes you to stop running and start following a good lead. Amen? That's that's what I'm talking about. Here's the last thing. To be empowered to live with purpose. 
to live with some God-given purpose. Not just feel better, but purpose. And that's why Next Steps is there, is to help you to take the next step so that you can live on purpose. He gave us all a part of building his church. And you would not believe how much of your life, actually, that you're trying to build, whether it's your career, your family, your marriage, so much of what you're trying to build, how God uses the church to actually build it in you. If you're trying to build a good, strong marriage, church is going to help you to build a good, strong marriage. Amen? You're trying to raise godly kids. Church is going to help you to raise godly kids. Can I say this? You can read the manuals, but you need examples. You know what I'm saying? You need some people to run with. You need a mom that you can talk to and say, hey, what did you do when your kid was this age? Oh, I don't know if I want to do that with my kid. I I don't know. I'm going to go talk to another mama. And then you found out she did the same thing. Oh, they got good kids. Let's try that. What did you do to make your marriage work? Maybe you're a college student. Hey, what did you do when you reached that point in school where you were unsure if this is what you wanted to continue to do, but you've already taken all those classes? Come on. Now we're talking where people are living at. See, God brings us together for purpose. And for a church, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in what songs we're playing. We can get caught up in what he's preaching about and all that stuff. And when we miss purpose, we're missing such a huge part of it because church is so meant to be interactive. And all the different places that people serve, like think of this. There's someone today that's serving in Emerge Kids that are planting the seeds of the Word of God in your child's life right now. You should clap. You should hug their neck. You know how crazy your kid is. You should hug their neck and thank them. God's using them to impart the word of God into your child's life. You have no clue that 20 years from now, your kid may remember that person that served in Emerge Kids. You don't believe me? Pat Fuller. I was 10 years old. Pat Fuller. It was an older lady in the church that I grew up in who taught children's church. That's what we called it back in the day. We wasn't fancy. Called it what it was, children's church. And so many scripture verses I learned in children's church that I use up here every single week. That's the church building future generations, by the way. That lady, thank God she didn't just see it as a accept or a decline on planning center. Thank God she saw it as purpose. I'm up here today because of Miss Pat. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know I had a great pastor and everything, but Miss Pat was just Miss Pat. And her husband, Mr. Frank, who was just along for the ride to help. Miss Pat was in charge. Thank God for Miss Pat Fuller. Thank God for that lady who saw it as purpose. Countless young people that are still in that church today. Come on, man. You can't just think we just got a box to check. We've got purpose behind every single part of it. That coffee that we're making, yeah, I want you to be awake. But I also want that guest to feel right at home when they walk through the door because people don't always feel at home when they go to church, y'all. 
There's purpose. Eliminate the distraction so people can encounter God. Amen? Eliminate all the things that get in your way so people can have a God encounter because people need that. And then helping them experience life changes, just walking with them. It's walking with them through it so that they can live with purpose and not just try to make it, but help somebody else to make it too. That's what that's the why behind everything that we do. And when you have a church that lives with purpose and not just lives as a participant watching everything happen, but truly lives with purpose and serves with a selfless heart and has generosity all in their lives and you put it all together, there's a lot of people's lives that can be affected by it. And I know this, that in this room, you've got a lot of friends, you got a lot of family members, you got a lot of neighbors and people that need God to touch their lives. You got coworkers that need Jesus. And the whole point of us doing all of this is so that we can reach people who need Jesus so they can live out the plans of God for their life, which is including reaching other people for Jesus so they can live out God's plan for their life, so they can reach people for Jesus, so they can live out God's plan for your life. And that's the generational mindset that I'm talking about. heard me tell this story about my dad when he gave his life to the Lord. Probably the most impactful person in my life was my dad when he gave his life to Jesus. And when my dad gave his life to the Lord and truly submitted to the Lord, it wasn't just, we're going to try this. He truly trusted God And God set him free from alcoholism. I'm telling you, my dad was a heavy drinker. He was a workaholic, alcoholic. And when Jesus saved his life, he really changed. Like he didn't get religious. He got right with God. And his life changed. And my dad, the the impact that the church and Jesus had on his life was so great that he had to share it with somebody else. And there was a guy that was working with him. I love this story. And he was going through a divorce. And the guy was losing it. His whole world was falling apart. And my dad decided to pray for him one day at work. And it opened the door for this man to begin to talk with my dad. So my dad invited him to dinner at our house. I mean, we cook, we eat, we like it, man. We like to have people over. So this wasn't uncommon for me growing up. My dad led Troy Kelly to Jesus. Come on. He didn't just go to church. He was the church. And he led Troy Kelly to Jesus. And Troy Kelly was a drummer. Yeah. And the youth group needed a drummer. And Troy heard about it. So he became the drummer in the youth group. And I was about 10 years old. And the youth group back then started at 10. And I started going to the youth group. And Troy would tell us, hey, y'all can ride home with me. We'll go stop and get McDonald's or ice cream on the way. And I didn't realize what God was doing with Troy in my life. You see, I watched him and I had so much interest in learning the drums. And Troy said, come with me to worship rehearsal. Just watch. And I would just sit and watch. And at the end of rehearsal, I would 
get up on the drums. And whatever he did, I did. And then Troy went on a ski trip and he broke his leg. And the youth group needed a drummer. And Troy said, you got to play. Yeah. Do you see the purpose? The purpose in it. I'm not just trying to go find some cool website with church ideas to present to you to try to get you to believe that if we all bring this together, there will be such a synergy amongst us that we can really accomplish great things to fulfill all of your life. No, what I'm talking about is tried and true and real. I have lived this. I have experienced this. I have walked in this. And it's affected my life. And there are people yet to come that will be affected by your life. Because you accepted Jesus and you decided to live with purpose. That you didn't see church any longer as that. That's what we do on Sundays. No, this is who we are. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This is who we are. Even if we're in Orlando at the ball game watching Florida State and LSU. I'm not turning into somebody who I used to be in college. Because I am called out of the world to live in the light. I don't have to participate in all that. But I may just meet somebody that needs Jesus while I'm here. I'm not going to be crazy and stand up on the corner and shout Jesus at people, but I might sit with you at a tailgate and you may start to tell me how your world's falling apart. And I can tell you what God's done in my life and share it with you so he can do it in your life and it can change your life. This is what church is all about. Can we get past the tradition? Can we get past the preferences? Can we get past all of that and realize that this isn't a show, but this is real life and people need real life they need the gospel of jesus and not just from a preacher in the pulpit they need it from a person that's living real life and that person is you too many people want a pulpit when you got people right there at work you got people right there at work people right there at school i'm thankful that i saw it modeled before I ever went to Bible school to learn all about it, I saw it modeled. So when they talked about it, I knew exactly what they were talking about because I watched it happen. I remember one Saturday, my dad and I were in Home Depot here in Tallahassee. My dad lives in Gonzales, Louisiana. We were in Home Depot. We were there over an hour. You know why? Because over by the bad concrete, quick creek, there's my dad praying with a guy, and the guy's crying. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go get this hose fitting, man. We baptizing tomorrow. Dad, you do your work in the ministry. I gotta do my work in the ministry. I come back, I'm like, Dad, what you doing? He's like, I can tell that man needed prayer. Oh my gosh. Living on purpose. I wonder. I wonder what generations are yet to come because of your faith, because of your service. Don't believe me? There's going to be people 20 years from now that are sitting in emerged kids right now. Jacob, they'll remember you. They'll remember, oh, I remember Jacob. He was the high school kid that served. They'll remember you. 
They will. They'll look back at all the youth leaders. They'll look back at you and say, I remember that guy. He was at church every Sunday. They were always there every single Sunday. People remember that. And it's not just attendance, it's impact. If you don't believe me, I could start listing people right now. And I guarantee you, if I drove to Gonzales right now, went inside Household of Faith Church, I promise you, Tommy Savoy is sitting out there. I promise you, Steve Decody is sitting right up in there. I could keep going down the list of people that I know that were faithful. They were pillars in God's house. And they weren't just there with their ideas. They were there with purpose. Church, God is calling us to purpose. Will you stand this morning? It's a new season. It's a new season for us at Emerge Church. It's purpose. The why. There's people to be reached. Everything that we're doing is to reach people for Jesus. The songs we're playing, the sermons we're preaching, the sisterhood, the fight club, the e-groups, it's because we want to reach people for Jesus. We want them to encounter God. We want them to experience life change. Come on. And we want to equip them, empower them to live with purpose. That's what we are trying I can't solve all of your problems and neither can any group leader and anybody that acts like they can be weary of listening to them. But I can point you to Jesus who can. Amen. I can point you to Jesus. I don't know all the X's and O's of your life, but Jesus, he's been watching every step. And if I can help you encounter Jesus, a lot can be accomplished. Amen. Father, today we need a shift We need a shift from tradition to mission where we're living on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose, for your kingdom to come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray in the hearts of every person in this place today, every person that calls Emerge Church home, every person that considers Emerge Church their spiritual family, God, I pray that you will stir something inside of us that helps us to see that church is much more than something we attend. It's who we are. And I pray, Father, that you will move on our heart. Only by your Spirit can you do this. You move on our heart and motivate us, Father, to have a heart for those who do not know you. And I pray, God, with the great commission that you gave to go in the world and make disciples, I pray that we will lead people to follow Jesus so they can live out the plans, God, that you have for their lives. I pray we will be faithful to it. I pray, God, we will be committed to it. I pray, God, we will be continually in it. I pray, God, that it will be in our prayers. I pray it will be a part of our routine. I pray, God, it will be in our intention. I pray it will be in our plans, that everything we do everywhere, where we go we got an idea I'm thinking who can I share this with who can I tell who can I pray for God I pray that we are motivated to good works Father I pray Holy Spirit you stir it in us stir it in us if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today is your day Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that the heaviness, the past can be forgiven, can be forgiven, and the weight of your sin can be lifted because of what Jesus did on the cross. I want to lead us in this prayer. Everyone in the congregation pray and say, Dear Lord, thank you for going to the cross. You paid the price that I should have paid for everything that I've done wrong. I need your forgiveness. I receive it today. 
by faith. And I acknowledge that you are the Son of God. And I put my faith in you for my salvation. I believe it. I receive it. And I make this decision. I will follow you. I give you my life. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And amen and amen.